Thank you. <clears throat> well, let, let me add uh, something that uh, came to me just late uh, in the service, but on Friday night, this Friday, we are hosting a Cayley serv service. We are holding a Cayley here with the Refugee and Asylum Project, that kind of international Cayley. If you're free and available and can make it, it would be great to see you here. It's always great when we have a Cayley on if some of our own folks are there, not just to help with some of our international friends to know how to do Cayley dancing, but just to host and welcome. And so uh, Siobhan's going to be heading that up, so we want to be here. If you can make it, it would be a great time to come and just help with that project. And then also, there is a phone that has been found in the gent's toilet. If that is yours, then uh, see me, and you'll not be able to check Facebook all the way through the sermon, because I've got it right here. I don't know if you ever notice, uh, <clears throat> as you walk in the gates and then to the front door of the church on the, the courtyard floor, there is one of the stones on the floor that has a little passage of scripture on it. That's a very significant passage of scripture for us as a church. We, we deliberately put that in there when we built the new church, and we wanted to say something before you even arrived into the building that we believed God was saying to us and wanted for us as a church. And you'll find that this passage of scripture in Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 in the Old Testament, it reads this, <clears throat> The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant the peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Since 1907, there's been something of a building on this site that we are sat on today. It kind of grew over the years, and then as the old building just got too old, we knocked it down and we built this new one. So there's been a former house, a former church on this site, and just purely for my curiosity, how many of you were attending the church in that old church, that old house? Okay, hands down, hands up if you've only come to since this new building has been in place. That's a good sign that there are more who've come since then than were there at the beginning. Thank you. But there's something about this phrase that we really wanted to take hold of because actually the story of the glory of God in the old house, in the old church, is really very significant. It was started in 1906 and uh, within just oh, probably four or five years of its starting, it also began to start churches in other parts of the east part of Glasgow and even down towards uh, south into England. And in time, it would end up sending missionaries to all kinds of places around the world, including over to Swaziland. I've mentioned that a few times in the last couple of weeks or so. And so the early years of the church that you're part of now were really very significant in terms of starting new things. They were pioneers in this business of the church and what it means to be the people of God in their generation in the early 1900s. And under the leadership of George Sharp, who had been a minister in the Congregational, he led that what was a relatively small church to begin with. Uh, they led them into all kinds of new things. That's in our roots as a church. 
And probably for the first two decades at least, this church was very much a pioneering church of starting new things. And I love to kind of go back to her historic roots and remind ourselves of where we come from and what our DNA is as a local congregation. Also because I think God is saying this again to us as a church. You may or may not be aware of this, but in many ways we are a pioneering church. When we think about the church across Glasgow and across Scotland, there are things that we are doing here that are different, that are new. They are new things. We've sensed God leading us into them and we sense that there's more. We start new things. Sometimes we have to stop new things as well. Sometimes we have to stop old things. But we, we have a sense of calling towards the new. How will God work in this generation through his church? Because for sure it's going to be different from what it looked like all the way through the last century and even the last decade. New things. And it's not that I'm in competition with our forebears in 1906 and 1916 and 1926, as if somehow, you know, we got to beat them. We've got to be better than them. But I do want to take this word from Haggai, because we believe it to be true, to say that God would long for us in this generation, in this house, in this church, as part of this family of God here in Parkhead in the east end of Glasgow, that we'd experience in this present house greater glory of God than even before in the former house. And I think many of us have already discovered that we seem to have been granted peace by God and people have found peace in this place for their own lives. So I'm not in competition with them if, as if somehow we've got to beat them or be better than them. But I, I am in celebration of what they did. In celebration of how such a small group of people could achieve so much in a short period of time and start new work in all kinds of places. I'm not in competition, but we are in celebration, and I think I'm in inspiration with their story. And, and I find myself asking God and praying, Lord, in our day too, do new things in us and through us, more than we've seen already and more than the former house not for my sake or your sake, but for God, for his glory and honor. And you know, the nature of God is that he's creative. He loves new things. There's something in God's nature that is creative and recreative. He, he starts new things, but he also takes old things and makes them new. It's necessary that God does new things in this world that changes so much. In fact, God's nature is that he's always making things new. Because the old things will eventually have had their time. And if there's nothing to replace it, in some ways, it just falls. And so God says to his people, I'm making some new things there for you. And I want to invite you into them. And if you follow me, you'll see those new things. And so all the way through the Bible, we talk about God's people discovering new songs, being made a new people. There's new creations. Even as we get towards the end of the Bible to Revelation, where God talks about creating a new heaven and a new earth. 
God's nature is to make new things and to renew things. New life. As I look back at the Old Testament, there's all kinds of places where I see God at work with new things in creation, where he creates something new out of nothing. When he gathers his new people in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these grandfather, father, son, and he creates around them a new relationship, a new covenant, where he'll establish what? A new people. Things have gone wrong in humanity. Even in spite of the beauty of this wonderful creation that God has given us new, humanity turns its back on God. And so at every point you see through the Bible, and particularly in the Old Testament with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he gathers a people together and says, I want to make a new people. People who will know me and know my new things for them. Who will live in the new ways I have for them. And even when they themselves end up, for all kinds of reasons, in a place of slavery in a different country. Into Egypt, where they live under oppression. God's heart is that he would lead them into new things again. He'd take them out of their slavery and bring them into a new life in a new land to become a new nation. Just in God's nature, he, he wants to renew. He particularly wants to make new that which is broken or which is walked away from him. He wants to bring new things. He gave a new law that the people of God could follow so that they could live in new ways. And again, when the people of God walk away from him and do their own thing and disobey him and they end up in exile in another part of the world when basically they're marched out of their homeland and marched into the oppression of another foreign ruler in Babylon. Even there the prophets are announcing that one day God will bring us back out and there'll be a new day and a new life and we'll not be under the oppression of another force but we will be in a new life together with God. He announces new things. And in that place where the people of God are in exile in a foreign land, we read from the prophet Isaiah, see the former things have taken place and new things I declare, says the Lord. And before they spring into being, I'm going to announce them to you. That God would speak ahead and say, well, this is how it's going to unfold. Again in Isaiah, see I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? Can you not sense it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I think that's what's happening with us. I think in this season and in this era, in this generation of spiritual life in the church in Scotland, I genuinely believe that, that God wants to make a new way in what at times has felt like a wasteland. I mean, sometimes being the people of God in Scotland has been easy and straightforward. Historically, Scotland has been one of those places that has been foundational in terms of its Christian roots and heritage. But it hasn't always felt like that. And it doesn't necessarily feel like that all the time just now. In fact, sometimes I find myself saying that. As a Christian, sometimes I feel like a stranger in a strange land. Things are so different 
from the world around us than God would want them to be. But I think God wants to do a new thing. And even when it feels like wasteland, where we feel as if that the spiritual climate and temperature and atmosphere is contrary to God, I think God still wants to speak a word to his church saying, I'm going to do a new thing. And it's beginning to spring up. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Well, if you're part of this church, I hope you can, because I see it everywhere I look. That God is doing new things, making a new way in the wilderness and streams and the wasteland. And that's, that's a word either for you in your individual life, and maybe some of you need to hear that. Maybe it feels a little bit like a wasteland in your life just now. I want you to hear this same word of God to you. God's vision is that there will be new things for you. That's what he wants. And he invites you to follow you. For, he invites you to follow him so that you can discover those new things that he wants to do. And so if it feels like wasteland or wilderness, hang on to God. Seek him, pursue him, because he has a vision of some new things. He'll maybe have to redeem some of the old stuff, or he'll maybe just have to lead you into something completely new. But this word really this morning is for us as a church together, not just for you individually. Because we have sensed that God has been saying all kinds of things to us as a church, as a congregation, about the new things that he would like to do. And so I guess what I want to do this morning is share some of those with you. We want to talk about the God who does new things with his new people in new ways to bring new life. One of the passages that's been really significant in the shaping of our church here is a passage from Ezekiel chapter 47. It's a picture of a river coming out of the temple in the Old Testament in Jerusalem. The temple was uh, symbolized the place of God's presence, where God would dwell. But the picture that we see in Ezekiel 47 is that from the altar in the temple, that sign of where God was, there begins to flow this river as if God is breaking out by his spirit out of the temple and into the world, which is exactly what happened. Kind of a prophetic vision of what would take place. And so Ezekiel gets this picture from God, which he then writes down, and I want to share with you today, this picture of a river flowing outwards. And I'll, I'll try not to preach as I go but it's an amazing passage and I might not be able to help myself. So I'll apologize ahead of it. So the man who was leading Ezekiel through this vision in the spirit brought Ezekiel back to the entrance. Oh, just disappeared. The suspense. The man brought Ezekiel back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Out towards the east. That's where we are. And that's why we took this verse of scripture and we said, let's run with this one. It's water that was flowing out of the temple towards the east side of the city. As if God wanted to refresh the east side of the city. Let me tell you. I think he is. I think that's what he wants to do. But I have a sneaky suspicion that what God might be doing is refreshing the east so that he will then refresh the city. 
The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. So it starts as a trickle out the south side towards the east. A little bit like the Clyde, except at the moment it's just a trickle. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. There's a little bit of a paddle. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. That's a little more like a flow. Then he measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. The water's getting deeper, the river's getting wider. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. Just to picture that increasing flow. Remember, this is the picture of God and by His Spirit moving outward towards the east. Come on, people. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. So deep that you can't even swim a river that no one could cross. Such was the movement and the increase of the river. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. So what had the river done? It had brought new things. Brought things to life. Where there was wilderness and desert, he brought new things to life. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Araba, where it enters the Dead Sea, which was dead. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh, refreshing, renewing. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There'll be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live in. Good song choice this morning, Richard. Take me to the river. Wherever the river goes, it gives life and brings life and does new things and refreshes, teeming with life. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to en Eglaim, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. It's almost like when God brings refreshing and renewal and does new things in a place or a or a situation, or a city, that, that even things like employment increase. Well, th there's, there's enough here so that every fisherman has enough to be able to throw his nets out and cast whatever. And I think when God really moves in a place, everything's renewed. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. That's another sermon. I'll preach that another time. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And I think that's talking about the church. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Church has got to be a place of, of, of feeding and healing and renewing as part 
of what God is doing. I love it. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. What a vision. Can you see it? Can you begin to perceive it? Do you have a bit of a sense of it? Because what is God is doing among us and that he wants to do more? It's new things. It's in God's nature. It's what he wants to do. And where the river of life flows, things are renewed, made new. That's why you're here. Because somehow God's river of life by the Holy Spirit, in Christ and by the Spirit, something new has happened in your life and that's why you're here. Or because you've seen something new happen in someone else's life and you're beginning to think, what is this? It is in God's nature to want to make new. And so things are renewed where the river flows. They come to life. They're transformed for good. And the invitation is, who's going to jump in? Who's going to jump into the river? Are we going to paddle around ankle deep? Make up to our knees if we're feeling very brave? Lucky if we get to our waist. Or are we going to jump in at the deep end? Work with God. Jean's jumping in. Jumping Jean. <laughs> and say, Lord, whatever new things are you want to do, we want to be part of it. In fact, we'd be willing to be pioneers for it. We're willing to give to it. Give ourselves to it. Give what we can to the new things that you are doing. That we might be refreshed so we can refresh. Or as we said two weeks ago, we are transformed so we can transform. Well, we're celebrating the new. If I were to look at the last 10 years, this new building came in the last decade. We're on a 2020, so we've just finished the decade. We're just stepping into one. But in the last 10 years, we moved from the old to the new in terms of the building. And what this wasn't here 10 years ago. This happened in 2013, 2012, 2013. Something new. It's been such a blessing and a gift to us. Remember 2014, we did the Commonwealth Games, Albert's Northern. I think that was maybe one of his first encounters. Were you there? Yeah. But where we had a street party for two weeks because most of the community was getting fed up with the Commonwealth Games and never had a ticket for any of the things that were worth watching. I think a few of us might have got tickets for the wrestling. <laughs> but, but then if you look out your window most Saturdays, you can <laughs> probably see that anyway. So no, no change. But we, we had a street party. Do you know what? There was something significant. We'd never done something quite like that before. And here's how I describe what happened in that two weeks. For years, right from the beginning of this, the church, we've always had a heart for the community. I think something switched on those two weeks. I, I think what happened was the community took us to their heart. That's a very different thing. And I think that's what happened there because of some new things that we wanted to do. We discovered that in the last decade, there were probably more people from other countries coming to Glasgow and particularly to the East End and to Parkhead than ever before. And so what do we do? We, we said, well, we've got to do something for people who are coming to a place of absolute loneliness. Who do they trust? Who will they know? What can we do? And, and so we thought, well, let's do something for the asylum and refugee community. And that was started in the last decade so that we could do something. We did a recent review on our children, youth, and family ministry. 
And on a regular basis, I was blown away by this. This is all within the last five years. Um, we, we, we reach more than 150 children and young people on a regular basis in this community as a church. 150. I mean, I know we have a lot of children here on a Sunday morning. But, but actually, in the stuff we do during the week as well, these things. A recovery church. We've been involved in addiction ministry for oh, two, maybe even three decades now. But something in the last decade has been a new thing. I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. And Recovery Church has been one of the things that has come out of that. And God is doing a new thing. And I might also just want to add that I think God is doing a new thing in the recovery community. I don't know quite what it will look like, but I think God will use that recovery community for some of these new things. We planted the new charter. So we started the new recovery church. We also started the new charter. New things. And they celebrated their year anniversary this month. And we did some reviewing with them. And to hear what they're doing down there is so exciting. Uh, the new life that is coming, the people they're reaching. And so as we look back at the last year, there's all kinds of the last decade and this last year as well, there's all kinds of things to thank God for partnerships, all kinds of partnerships that we have, that we work with, that help us, and we hope we help them. Bethany, we just heard about it, the Bethany tea that will be on Saturday, get along, grab a cookie on the way out. Um, but the Bethany partnership, or the CAP partnership, helping people out of debt and poverty, or Glasgow City Mission, and just to say we'll be doing the winter shelter, first week of March, so we'll be looking for volunteers to do an overnight so that we can make sure that people who are living on the streets have a warm place and we can try and help them get into accommodation. And so we'll help out with the winter shelter. Peace together, a new partnership, all new things. Some things have stopped, some things have continued. Let me tell you, there's been a whole load of new things that God has done. It's been amazing. And some of you have come to faith through those new things that God is doing and that God is doing among us. Jesus says this as he's teaching the religious leaders and some of the disciples of John. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. What is what does that mean? Why, why do I bring that into play here? Well, when you have new wine, when new wine is fermenting, it gives off all kinds of gases. And if it gives off gases, in the, in the New Testament, they would put wine into uh, bags that would expand as the gases leaked out. So if you used a new wine skin, then you were all right because it had the capacity to expand. But as it got older, it lost that elasticity. Some of us know what that feels like <laughs> around our faces and jowls. And, and so, Jesus is saying, you know what? When you're making wine, don't, don't put the new wine in old wineskins because when it starts oozing out those gases, what will happen? It doesn't, it doesn't have the capacity to expand, so it bursts. And you lose the wineskin and the new wine. So you have to use new wineskins. And then you put the new wine in that, and as 
as, as it gives off the gases, the, the new wine skin just begins to expand. And the new wine is able to mature and ferment, and you have good wine in a safe and secure new wine skin. And really what Jesus was saying is, the old ways and the old wine skins are wonderful, and they hold wonderful old wine, but they can't last forever. And so I need to do new things, and for that we need new wineskins. I think that's why we feel as if we're a pioneer church, because we're trying to work out what do those new wineskins look like? What are the new ways that God is going to pour in his spirit, that, that God is using now, new things? And we're not sure of them all yet, but we've got an idea about some of them. New ways of being the people of God, and new wine and new wineskins. Different type of wine, folks, don't get too excited. But God wants to do a new thing. And so here's a number of things that we're hoping to do as we move forward these new things of God. Restore. Um, Joy and Emma and the team who are working in Glasgow to bring the church across the city together against the injustice of human trafficking. Well, we want to encourage that work. We want to say for the next decade, let's be involved in that type of work. Now, we don't know what that's going to look like, and Joy's just cut her hours at the workplace so that she can invest more time in developing that ministry with a team so that we can be and they can be engaged in, in, in dealing and facing the realities of human trafficking in our city. And we've said to the team, well, We'll, we'll, be the, we'll be the incubator. We'll be the laboratory as a church for you to start that. However we can help, let's get the thing going. Let's make the new thing happen. And then wonder, you know, if it takes its own life and it, and it goes on, wonderful. We'll bless the city with a new ministry. If it needs to always be part of our church, that's fine too. But let's do something new. Let's not put our heads in the sand about what God would want to do in the area of human trafficking. Because it's, it's unjust. It's not right. It's slavery. And so we, we want to do things like restore. Here's the newest one. It's called the basement. Um, out of the new charter, there's going to be about half a dozen people involved in this. The basement is going to be a new social enterprise or business that the church is becoming an incubator for, a laboratory for it, uh, so that we can try to help in the community to establish some patterns and pathways of work and employment and employability. So there can be um, something that we can contribute into the marketplace of, of work within a Christian environment, kingdom business, where we try to do things uh, in the way that God would want to do things in business. And so the basement is going to take place in the basement of the new charter. And they're going to be making, instead of cling film, which of course clogs up the environment, they're going to be making reusable wax, um, what do they call them? Wax coverings. So you can just, what are they called? Beeswax wraps. That's what they're called, beeswax wraps. And what they do is they, you, you just get a little bit of 100% cotton material that's patterned. And here's a plug. If you have any 100% cotton material that you can give and gift to them so that they can start making this, then you bring it along and we'll make sure they get it. Then they get beeswax and they... Uh, melt it in and they create this wax uh, kind of um, uh, 
wrap that can go around your sandwiches or your cakes or over the top of stuff, and it saves you having to spend a fortune on your cling film. And it saves the environment. And they sell this. They make it in the basement of the new charter. Then they're going to sell it online. They're going to sell it wherever they can. They're going to try and get it into some shops. Uh, they're going to try and sell it at our events here at the church and all of that. And why are we doing it? Because we think God wants to do something new. In a community, in, in 2026, in this decade, it will be 50 years since the forge closed for good. The ironworks at the forge. It's 50 years that the community has been seeking to recover from that economic struggle and reality. Why? I mean, is bees, wax, uh, coverings going to solve unemployment in the East End? Well, I don't know. Maybe it will. But goodness, we've got to do something. God wants to redeem all things with new things. Or the park. We keep going down to the park as... Some of us in the leadership and saying, yeah, Tocross Park and that old mansion house, what could we do with the old mansion house? What could be renewed in that place? I have no idea if we'll get anywhere with it, but we keep talking to people and saying, what can we do about the park? What can we do to get that mansion house back working again? Redeeming spaces in a community that would benefit from it. Who knows? And then, of course, our church planting, probably the thing that's at the heart of what we're going to do, that across the East End, we'll plant new churches. We've started the Recovery Church. We've started the new charter. We'd love to do something in Dilmarnock. We'd love to do something in Barrafield. Maybe even into the Carlton. We'd love to do something as we head out, whether Carmel or Shettleston or, you know, we, we talk about this hub and satellite church planting where this hub here in Parkhead sends out people to start little satellite communities of maybe 50 to 80 people all across the east end of Glasgow and maybe beyond. And instead of having one church of about 200 people, then we might have one church of about 200, but maybe five or six of 60, 70, 80, maybe 100 people all across the East End working in their communities for transformation, leading to people uh, to faith in Christ and transforming and bringing new things and renewing things that feel like wastelands. New things. Some of you might be able to be involved in that. But this church planting across the East End, satellite communities in all kinds of different places. What we want to do is become a laboratory for transformational mission and ministry and church planting. Where anybody who's up for it will come to the East End of Glasgow or to Parkhead and there'll be, there'll be a willing people who'll say, well, let's try it. Let's just try it. If it doesn't work, so what? We'll try something else. But let's, let's create a laboratory of of good things, of new things. And maybe others will come and help us and join us. We don't have to do it all on our own. But if we have to, <laughs> we will. But we'll work with anybody and invite them to become other organizations, other partners for new things. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about it because it's already happening. Some of these things are already taking place. We're already in discussions about what could we do down in Dilmarnock. Barrafield, oh, wouldn't it be amazing, Barrafield folk, if we couldn't make something new happen in Barrafield, have a worshipping, outreaching community that brings life and transformation and peace and a new form of prosperity in a place like that. Well, 
Can you see it? Come on, says, I can see it. And I think God can see it as well. And, you know, we can't do all this between now and December 2020. But see, in 10 years, it's amazing what a group of people can do. It's amazing what this group of people could do if we invested ourselves in the new things and the new vision that we sense God is speaking. Not just to us, I think he's probably speaking it to the whole church, but I think to us he's saying, would you, would you be forerunners? Would, would, would you walk ahead? Would you pioneer some things? Would you create an atmosphere in which people can just try stuff? And if it doesn't work, well, let's try something else. Would you be the ones who could maybe begin this church planting where we could be in places where we have an upward worship to God, an inward discipleship to each other, and an outward ministry of transformation and reaching people for Christ, changing the way the world is. All across the east end of Glasgow and maybe beyond. Well, I, I believe God for all of this. I believed him 10 years ago. I believed him 20 years ago. I believed him almost 30 years ago. That God could do something new. And I think we're seeing the first fruits of it. And this is our vision, because I think it's what God is saying. And we want to say, I'm jumping into the river. I'm jumping in with you, God, whatever those new things will look like. Jesus said an interesting thing to his disciples. Having seen wonderful things with Jesus, Jesus said this, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the things, the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, if you've read any of the New Testament, Jesus did some pretty amazing and marvelous things. But he said, if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit, which you'll receive, which we do. And you will do greater things than these. Isn't that wonderful? What God wants to do then is by the power of his spirit and in Christ. Not just the things Jesus did, but even greater things. And so we're opening up our visions and our eyesight and saying, God, what have you got for us next? Let's plant those churches. Let's plant those new satellites in Domarnock. Well, let's plant those new places in Barrafield and the Calton. Let's go eastwards again. We even might have some opportunities in the west, but that's another story. Let's get involved with how we face head on the realities of human trafficking. Let's bless those who feel a calling for it. And meanwhile, we as a church, let's keep growing stronger. That's why we established ourselves two weeks ago in prayer and then Shelley last week in active discipleship because we need prepared. We need to be ready. We need to be strong as we take on this new vision. And so as I, I finish this morning, this is really a challenge for us to say, let's give ourselves to what we sense is this new vision of new things with God. As he moves outwards towards the east, as that river deepens and widens, that, that we would be those who say, I'm all in. And that as we produce fruit, and as the banks of the river begin to flourish, that we'd see healing. We'd see people's lives made new. We'd see new life come to our communities. We'd see change and transformation. We'd see new churches rising up in different places. 
can see a change in atmosphere and spiritual climate across the east end of Glasgow. And the invitation is to give ourselves to it. And I'm always nervous about these transitions from vision to giving. But, but I need to say it. Because we, we don't just give ourselves, we give what we have as well. Now, I think it was last week that Shelley spoke about giving. And I think Sandy spoke about it as well. And you were handed out these letters that tell you about you know, our, our encouragement. We reflect the heart of God when we give. And, and the, the vision that we have is wonderful and it's great. And on paper, it sounds amazing. But it costs to make it happen. Not for the church's sake, but for God's sake. And I'm always a bit nervous about talking about money. But God has given as much. And I suppose what I'm saying is, I'm, I'm saying yes to investing in this future. And I'm saying, who, who wants to invest with us? Who's going to invest? Who's going to invest financially? Who's going to invest personally? Who's going to invest in starting new things? And so these are, there are plenty of these around. You can take one as you, as you go out. Regular giving establishes the church to do new things. And without it, we can't. And Shelley rightly spoke about giving within the context of discipleship. It's who we are as followers of Jesus. And as we give, we enable the church, one another, us, to do what we sense God wants us to do. Now, we'll follow it and pursue it anyway. But we want to be givers. Giving of ourselves, giving of what we have, giving of our finances, giving of our time, giving of our gifts, giving of our abilities. And say to God, whatever it is, whatever those new things are, I want to be a giver that we might change the way things are in the East End of Glasgow. So as you leave today, if, if, again, if you're not here regularly, you want to know more, just pick up one of these. They're on the way out as you go. And let's be a giver to the vision that we sense God calling us to. I'm going to invite the worship teams to come up as we finish. Invest in new things. Invest in the new vision. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where are you investing your treasure? Where is your heart? I want to be invested in what we sense God is saying to us. To invest in new things. To invest in this new vision that God has given us. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you so much that you have not left us on our own or stuck in our old way or our old life. But you have come that you might bring new life. And Lord, we sense that you're calling us to a challenging new vision for this next decade, not just for this next year. But Lord, the truth is we have been recipients of new things in this last decade, in this last year. We have received new life. We have become new creations. We have received new peace and new healing. There's new things that are rising up within us. And now you invite us to say yes to the new things in the future. Not just for 2020, but for a whole decade. To see the transformation, not over, only of our own lives, not even just only of our community here around Bunker Street and in Parkhead, but to see the transformation of a whole east end of a city. 
Lord, we pray for Dalmarnock. We pray for Tolkross. We pray for Barrafield and the Carlton. We pray for Carmel and Carntine. We pray for Deniston. We pray for Greenfield. We pray for Sandy Hills, Mount Vernon, Easter House, and everywhere in between. Lord, we pray for those who hold positions of authority in these places. We pray, Lord, that there might be in their hearts a returning to God, to the places of power. And Lord, help us to play our part because we want to see a new city and new things and this new vision, not for our glory, but for you and Jesus. May your kingdom come and your will be done here in the East End of Glasgow. Let your river flow.